Welcome to the Go Fish Village podcast, where we help people like you achieve financial freedom through real estate. I'm your host, Josh Mercer, founder of Go Fish Village, also a realtor with Premier Chicago Real Estate. Today, we have an amazing guest. I think to date, this gentleman has the most units of anyone that's come on our show. It's attorney Darnell Lyles, who has a, uh, a practice in Gary, Indiana. I'm not sure if you're in Chicago at all, but we're talking about real estate today. And Mr. Lyles has 134 units. And that's not even his main hustle. <laughs> he does that on the side. So uh, attorney Lyles, how, how did you do it? How'd you get to 134? Well, I, um, before I got, well, the hundred units is one building. It's a, uh, a senior independent senior living facility. But before I got into that, I was into real estate in Gary and, uh, I had sold all my real estate to concentrate on practicing law. And uh, then some years after doing that, let's say that was maybe uh, 1995 or whatever, um, I decided to get back into real estate. I had bought some land. It was seven and a half acres, which was across the street from my office. Hmm. And I met a guy... And I had talked to him about, you know, I'd like to do a mall here on this property. And I had the name for it in a schematic. We were going to call it Sand Hills Mall. And uh, we had tried to get uh, anchors like uh, Sears or Walmart or whatever, and we were getting no play. And I had related this to a guy I met in South Bend. And so he said well, why don't you do senior housing? So I said, mm, that's interesting. How would I do that? So then he told me about the state giving money or tax credits to build senior housing. And so I investigated it and determined, well, this is something I could do. It's called tax credits. Every state gets an allocation from the United States government to build low and moderate income housing and you, you can apply to get tax credits. It's a competitive process. And so we went through the process. We do, did the due diligence, which cost us maybe about 200,000 to, to do everything. You had to get uh, a contractor. 200,000 before you even dig a hole? Yeah. You had to do, uh, you know, soil borings and this and that and, come up with your contractor to submit your application. Something tells me it was worth it. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, we got a tax credit allocation. And uh, once they give you the allocation, you got to give them like $45,000. Can you, you tell know, me how the tax credit works before you um, get into too much detail? What, what is that? Sure. The way it works is if the state issues you tax credits, then you try to sell the credits to a corporation that needs to reduce their tax liability. So you want to sell them to banks or Google or any corporation that wants to reduce their taxes. Because if they buy your credits, that means 
they get a reduction in their taxes dollar for dollar. So if they buy $10 million in credits, they are not paying taxes on $10 million of their revenue. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, they don't give you a dollar to dollar. They may say, we're going to give you 95 cents per dollar. Right. And so they never actually give you a dollar for dollar. It's negotiable. So you could get up to a dollar, but most of the time they don't give you a dollar. They give you 98 cents. or So you got a float in there. And if that float causes you a, a gap between what you need to build your project, then you got to go to a bank or some other financing source or get what's called home dollars from your city to fill the gap so you can get your project done. When the project is done, the tax credit buyer owns about 99% of the project. And the developer gets a developer fee, which is typically a million dollars or a little more, and owns about 1% of the project so that the tax credit buyer can get the tax benefit of the project for the next 10, 15 years. Every state, every state gets this money from the government so they can provide tax credits to developers in their states. So it's, I'm sure it's in the Illinois Department of Housing Development. In Indiana, it's the Indiana Department of Housing Develop, Development, what we call ICTA. So, so the... I'm sorry, go ahead. So the so the corporation benefits by lowering their tax liability. You benefit by getting selling, the developer fee. Tax credit. The st- city or state or county benefits by what job creation? Well, they benefit by they get tax revenue. Uh-huh. They benefit by they got housing for lower moderate income tenants and they benefit by that they put housing production into their city. Mm-hmm. Now, okay. what happened with me, which is an, an uh, anomaly, when I came through my project, Joshua, it was after 2008 and the housing, as you know, the housing market had crashed, mm-hmm. right? And the economy was in the tank. Yeah. So no corporation was buying tax credits. And so thanks to President Obama, he decided that if a state had given you an allocation of tax credits, the federal government would monetize the tax credits. In other words, give you the money to build your project, even though Google didn't buy your tax credits. Mm-hmm. You following me? Yes. Wow. So, so, so they gave you that money? Yes. Wow. But more importantly, <laughs> praise God. <laughs> I ended up, yeah, I agree. I ended up owning the project wow right so my company serenity lake senior llc ended up owning the project so that meant i get all the rents i get all the tax benefits that would have gone to a tax uh, a tax buyer now the normal way it would have happened joshua i would have just gotten a million dollars development fee and then the tax credit buyers would have ended up with the project. The still, rent. Still not that. a bad, still not a bad situation. 
<laughs> no, I mean, it was like a match made in heaven. Wow. So you Which really, my, my you really came up. team didn't anticipate. Wow. So yeah. that was a home run. That's what we call a home run. Yeah. Yeah. Man, how long ago was that? Well, we put the project in service. In other words, started to lease it up in 2011, August 2011. So how can you how can you go into a business like this for senior housing when that's not your background? How can you do that? Well, well, I was always in the housing, even before the senior deal. Let me back up. So I graduated from Howard University in 1986, the law school. And the closest job offer I had, Joshua, to Chicago was the city of Gary's city attorney's office. Oh, okay. And so I got here and I, they had assigned me to demolition court, code enforcement, whatever. So I'm in court. I see these people come in and say, well, this, you know, this property isn't worth anything, blah, blah, blah. And I'm looking at pictures of the property. I grew up with real estate in Chicago on the West side because my parents and grandparents own real estate. So I'm looking at these people saying, oh, it's not worth anything. And I'm thinking to myself, Every piece of real estate is worth something, right? Right, right. So I started buying properties in Gary. And that's how I started. Wow. So when you get this grant, or I forgot what it's called, from the government, this um, tax credit, oh, and they yeah, turn it into cash. Mm-hmm. And they basically turn it into cash for you. That's You don't have to pay that back, right? No. So but you do have to use it towards the project. Yeah, and you have to, it has to be committed to for 15 lower and moderate income tenants. Actually what, what you would consider oh, okay. rent control, right? So okay. it's, it's 30 to 60% of the area median income that you have to rent people to. So we have people in the building, they got a two bedroom apartment that may be at the 30% of the area median income, and they're not paying any more than $250, $250 a month for a two-bedroom or one-bedroom apartment. So is the government also subsidizing this? No, they don't subsidize it. Their whole involvement is getting it built without you having to you know, expend wow. millions of dollars to get it built. Wow. Wow. So that guy that put you on to this, I know you took care of him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> wow. Are you guys still a partner today? No, we're not. We're, we're never partners, but we still know each other. Okay. And what man. that illustrates, Joshua, is if you don't know, you can't make the money. But if somebody lets you know, you can take advantage of the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you got to be ready. For that opportunity, I mean, when you found out you were resourceful, I mean, having that. Um, now, it is, it is so when I read real estate, I love learning about real estate. Buying land, that's like one of the riskiest things you could do. What made you feel comfortable about just buying those acres of land? Well, it was a number of things. One, it had sand on it three stories high. Okay, uh-huh. and so I knew sand was valuable. 
So I knew I could sell the sand and probably triple the money I paid for the land, which is actually what I did. Really? I didn't so, know that. Yeah. Why, so, why is sand well, valuable? Yeah, sand is money. And so we have a baseball stadium in Gary, the Railcast Stadium. Mm -hmm. Most of the sand under that stadium came from my land. Wow. Wow. Man, the richest man in, in Gary, Indiana, <laughs> that nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That is the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. You got to see what other so, people don't see. How did you how did you find that information out about sand? Well, I already knew because I, I was I was uh, I had done demolitions and I knew sand cost a certain amount of money, you know, in previous things that I had done. And so when I looked at that land, I said, well, that's a lot of sand there. And so I came up with the notion of Sand Hills Mall, which would allow me to flatten the land. Right. So the city wouldn't say I was sand mining. Oh, so you it's a prohibition <laughs> against sand mining. That's but the lawyer and leveled a lot to develop <laughs> it. There's no prohibition against what they call sand mine. That's that lawyer side of you finding <laughs> the loopholes. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. So, wow. Okay. So the seller who sold you that land, were they aware of the value of, of the sand? I don't know. It was a church. Oh, a church okay. owned the parcel. Wow. And it was a friend of mine that helped facilitate the sale. So what that illustrates is connections often help you make money. Oh, 100%. So this, these acres that you bought, how much, how many acres was it? Seven and a half acres. And I paid $10,000 an acre. Okay. So, and this was how long ago? It was, uh, I probably bought the land in maybe uh, 2007. Okay, so we're talking about seventy, eighty thousand dollars 80000 back in 2007. And you said your office was across the street from it, right? Yes. Okay, so not, not bad. Now, in terms of maintenance, was it expensive? Was that something expensive to maintain or was it just the taxes that you were having to pay? No, just a piece of vacant land. It essentially works out to paying the taxes and make sure nobody goes on the land and dumps. That was about it. So we turned essentially an $80,000 investment into $10 million. 12 million. Oh, my bad. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Into and so that's crazy. And, and and you you never even saw that coming, did you? No, it just fell in my lap. Wow, just fell in your lap. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the other thirty four units that you're still holding on to. Okay. <laughs> um, did those come after this this uh senior living home, or was it? Uh, oh, before? I had a few of them first. Uh, one of the buildings I actually bought. In maybe 1989, I bought it for 400000 I'm sorry, strike that. I bought it for $400. I used what's called, the, at that time, they had a HUD, had a program called Rental Rehab, mm -hmm. where if you tell HUD, is, for instance, it's 50000 
to rehab the building and you tell them you got your 25, they'll give you the other 25 if you agree to rent to section eight or lower moderate income tenants for a period of 10 years. At the anniversary date of every year, 10% of the HUD money is forgiven. So after 10 years, their 25,000 is forgiven. And that's how I started it. So I kept that building for 10 years. Then I sold it to a guy, Joshua. Mm -hmm. He kept it for three years. And then I bought it back from him for less than I sold it to him for. Really? (laughs) And I still have it to this day. It's by the train station in Gary, downtown Gary. So let's, for people who may not know the demographics of Gary, Indiana, you know, from what I hear, and I'm, you know, I'm from Chicago. Um, We know Michael Jackson. We know it was once a thriving city when steel mills were um, prevalent, but it has a reputation of being dilapidated. You know, Mm -hmm. it it, it really wouldn't be the place I would look to to say, hey, I'm going to invest here. What, what makes Gary, Indiana, or places like Gary an attractive place to invest in real estate? Okay, let me give you an example. So let's say you go in South Shore and it's a single family home. You got to pay $75,000 for it, right? Mm-hmm. And let's say you put it on Section 8. It's a three-bedroom home. You could get $1,000, $1,200 for it, right? Yes. You could buy the same three-bedroom home in Gary for $30,000 or $50,000 or $70,000, rent it for $1,000. Who got the better deal? Okay. So Gary wins in that instance. But- yeah. And here's, and here's the deal, Joshua. Everybody needs some place to live. I don't, give, I don't care where you are. People need some place to live. But what about the quality of tenant? The what? The quality, the quality of tenant. Well, the quality of tenant is just the same as the quality of tenant you're gonna get in Chicago. Same you're gonna thing. get you're gonna get sloppy uh tenants in Chicago who don't clean up, just like you're gonna get sloppy tenants in Gary who don't clean up, mm-hmm. or you're gonna get a tenant that does clean up and keep their apartment nice. It's it's the same thing. That what we have in Gary now is an influx of Chicago tenants. And then you compare that to the, the Gary Housing Authority getting ready to housing developments, and we don't have enough units to absorb those people. So this is a great time to try to buy something in Gary because you almost guaranteed a Section 8 tenant by March of 2021. Is Section 8, is that, is that hard to get? No. No? We could get Section 8 from Chicago. Hammond, oh. East Chicago. I mean, the people with vouchers are moving. I'm going to give you an example. When I list a unit, I last listed a unit. It was a two-bedroom house, but it's in the Miller section. And the rent was probably higher than any Section 8 would pay for a two-bedroom and and are what we call MSA, right? But I was getting a zillion calls about the house and I've had to call people back and say, uh, I'm sure your section eight voucher is not gonna cover $1,500 rent. 
And so I ultimately ended up renting the home to people who wore jobs who, you know, could pay. My, my requirement is if, if you're a fair market rental, Josh, you got to make three times the rent. Your mm -hmm. gross has to be three times the rent. Right. So three times 1500 is $4,500 a month. Mm -hmm. And if you don't make that, I don't even talk to you. I'm, I'm not interested in talking to you. Right. Because I want you to I'll give take me it. You've learned, learned some expensive lessons in your day. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want you to give me one third. You got one third for maybe your taxes and all that other shit. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> and, one, and one third for your whatever, buying clothes, going out to dinner, yeah. whatever. Right. That's a hard and fast rule. So I, do, do you prefer Section 8? No, I prefer anybody that, that meets the income qualifications okay. to be in a unit. Okay. I don't prefer it or whatever. Here's the other thing. Most people don't realize it's a violation of the Fair Housing Act to put in your ad no Section 8. Mm, okay. That's a violation of the Fair Housing Act. You shouldn't even mention Section 8 at all in your ad. You should just say, I got an apartment for rent. The rent is $1,000. It's two-bedroom, whatever. So even when I see those ads that say Section 8, welcome, you, you advise against that? That's a violation of the, section, of oh, the Fair wow. Housing Act. You shouldn't even mention it at all. Wow. Okay, because that is kind of like discriminatory, I guess. Yeah. Or when they say no Section 8. <laughs> I've never seen that. But yeah, uh, that people that put ads in saying no Section 8. So your 34 units, what are these? Uh, are these multi-units? Are these condos, houses? What are they? It's, it's a combination. It's a four unit, six unit, three unit, uh, two unit, single family homes. Is there a preference? I, I like multi-units because it's just one roof. Mm -hmm. Where if you got single family homes, you know, you got four, five, 10, 15 roofs to deal with. You know what I mean? Water meters to deal with, furnaces to deal with. People say they like, uh, from what I hear, people that like the houses, they say people tend to stay there longer. Is that, is that true? I think there's some truth to that. But uh, I don't see a big difference between people staying in multi-units and staying in single-family homes. Is there uh, like a certain profit per unit, like uh, per door? As much as I can get. <laughs> but is there, is there a minimum? Like if it's $100 that you netting, is that too little? No, I don't, I don't really, you know, when you go on the like sites, like bigger pockets, they talk about, I need at least a hundred dollars a door and all that. I don't really ascribe to that because that doesn't really work in Gary. If I give you an example, I, we own 20 units. We have no mortgage on. We just pay cash for them. Right. Mm -hmm. So let's say you buy a house for, and we've done this many times buy a house for $10,000, put 30,000 in to bring it up to modern, whatever, three bedroom house is $1,000. So you got $40,000 in it, right? So you do your cap rate on $40,000 and your net income, which is pretty good because you don't have a mortgage and you're not paying the utilities, they paying all the utilities, that cap rate is through the roof. Do you so have that's a? Why I don't, that's why I don't say I need a hundred dollars per door or whatever. I I, I need to, I figure out if this is what I got into it and this is what I'm gonna get. I don't limit myself by saying a hundred dollars a door. And typically in Gary, 
that $100 a door, $200 a door is, is the low money. So is there a cap rate? Like it has to be at least a minimum, like a 10% cap rate or something like that? I like cap rates. They got to be 8% or higher. 8% or higher. Okay. Uh-huh. 8% and, and or really, higher. when you pay cash, though, Josh, it's infinite. cap rate doesn't really mean <laughs> much of anything, does it? Yeah, no. All you just got to find is a quality tenant. <laughs> That's it. Because the cap rate is based on your net income. Yeah. But if you don't have a mortgage and it's a single family home, what's your net income? It's almost 100%. Because right. the tenants paying all the utilities and they're paying rent. So you the only thing you're dealing with is what? Your real estate taxes. So do you do you have a do you prefer to buy cash or finance the property? It depends on the deal. Mm -hmm. It depends on the deal. Okay. Uh so you can't you can't spend all cash because then you burn your money out. And then you have to realize the best way to make money is OPM other people's money right yeah. so you, most of the stuff you get you want to finance you don't want to pay cash for it the only reason our company did cash is we always wanted a cushion mm -hmm. so if you got 20 units you got no mortgage on you could almost borrow anything you need to borrow for your next investment because you could tell the bank look here man i got 20 units with no mortgage on it so mm -hmm. you guarantee with out the income from what I'm just getting ready to buy, that I got the money to pay the mortgage on the new thing I'm getting ready to buy. Hmm. So in your operation, um, because you're a lawyer, I'm assuming that it's not in your name. You you have a is it set up in the company? Well, some some stuff I have in my name. Other stuff is in my my uh, LLP, Limited Liability Partnership which is Terralex Properties. The 100 units is a separate LLC, Serenity Lake Senior LLC. So what, okay, so if you have them, um, can you talk about the pros and cons to, to putting it in a company versus having it in your per personal name? And then maybe at what level do you say, okay, I need to put this in a company name? Well, I, I think we're immediately starting out, you put in LLC, Limited okay. Liability Corporation. And the difference between that and a C-Corp, a C-Corp, you're going to pay taxes on the money twice. Whereas if you put it in LLC, you pay money on it once. If you put it in a partnership, a Limited Liability Partnership, each partner pays according to their tax level, their taxes on their income. Okay. Once. Okay, so you're you're a proponent of putting it in a company name. Absolutely. Okay, so in so are, are you the sole owner of of your properties, or did you, or is it better? Would you say to get qualified partners if you're trying to scale? The uh, senior properties. I'm a single member LLC. Terralex is a partnership, and I have partners. Okay. Which are family members. Oh, nice. Nice. So now because you were able to essentially fund this, that, that senior living home with no debt and no partners, I mean, you're basically able to build this project out and you're able to hire, I would, you know, say pretty good talent 
to run it. You know, a lot of headaches that you probably didn't have to yeah, deal it, with. There's a management company that runs the senior home and it oh, does have debt. It has yeah. about maybe $2 million worth of debt. Oh, that's so not bad. It does that's have bad. debt that we pay monthly, but uh, the debt coverage ratio is so high, it's not a, it's not a problem. <laughs> Ain't no thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so okay, so that's a hundred units. About how much is the average rent for each? Uh... It, it throws off a gross of about sixty thousand a month. Wow, man, that's crazy. So that's that's awesome, man. So how did you feel once that deal was done? You probably had a huge smile. I'm sure. Well, I, I went into it thinking I'm just going to get the developer fee, which I had to split up with my partners. But ultimately, I ended up owning the property. So um, it worked out pretty good. So mm. I have a property I could ultimately sell. So let's say you keep it uh, 15 years, you could sell it off. Actually, I can sell it now. But let's say you keep it for the holding period for Indiana Housing and Development, which is 15 years. So that takes me to 2026. Uh, so that's six years from now. I could sell the building or I could go back and apply for additional tax credits, right, mm -hmm. to upgrade the building again and wow. get another developer fee. Whoa. Or I could say, okay, it's no longer low and moderate income. If you get a two bedroom in this place, it's a thousand dollars. Yeah. Those are the other options you have with the, with the place. I see you've thought this through. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta always look ahead. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's, that's awesome, man. That's, that's really awesome. So how uh, passive is the income from, from that investment? It's purely passive. Wow. You know, I, there's very little I have to do on that. You know, the management company does everything. They'll call me and say, we got to do this. Do you, do we have your permission? They give me reports every month and stuff like that. Now the other units, we manage ourselves. Okay. Now what, so the other 34 units, how passive is that? Well, it takes a little time, not a whole lot of time. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? I get, I give you a real world example. So one of the tenants, lives in what's called the, in the Miller section. You familiar with Miller? Yeah. And she hadn't paid her rent. So, so the office called her last week and said, Hey, uh, we haven't received your rent and we charge a 10% late fee against your rent. So if your rent's 600 bucks, your late fee is $60. Mm -hmm. So the office called her and said, Hey, you didn't pay your rent. We didn't get your rent. So we found out today she came with her rent with the late fee, but she put the receipt in the mailbox and not the money order. So it's goofy things like that we have to deal with. Oh, you know? wow. So <laughs> hopefully that was an accident. What, at, at what point do you suggest that somebody get a property manager? Because, um, you know, that can eat into your profits. Yeah, absolutely, because they're gonna they're gonna charge at least. Well, Chicago, I think the percentages are are better than over here. Over here, they started about six percent. I think in Chicago, I started about four percent from companies. But anyway, back to your point, um, 
I'd have to say maybe 20 units and above, mm -hmm. then you might want to think about uh, getting a professional management mm -hmm. for your property. But below that, I think you have to be committed to save the money to do it yourself because that 6% or whatever you pay in a management company, that could go into your, your fund to, to acquire additional real estate. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, and most people say, well, I don't want to be bothered with real estate. There's problems. People call you, blah, blah, blah. Everything has problems. The practice of law has problems. If you're a plumber, it got problems. You know what I mean? If you're an accountant, it got problems. So with real estate, it just comes with the territory. It's like any other business. Yeah. You're going to have some problems. You're going to have things you got to do. You know, it, it's just part of the, the thing. And that's what I tell people. Now, in, in terms of how to get started, in my opinion, mm -hmm. is to buy FHA first. So if that's, you can buy a two-unit, three-unit, four-unit, that's the way you should start. That's when you're basically moving in and putting down three and a half, five percent. Exactly. Okay. Because otherwise, Joshua, any other thing, you got to come up with 20%. So if it's hundred thousand, you need twenty thousand. If it's half a million, you need a hundred thousand. Yeah. And most of us don't have that. So so start with the FHA. Live in that puppy for a year. Roll out of it by your next uh, two three unit and keep going. That's how you do it. Wow. Okay. So why why keep practicing law? I like practicing law. Yeah. What am I going to do every day if I don't practice law? Yes. I don't. Real estate doesn't require me to be involved every day. That's the beauty of it, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. But, you know, um, everybody always dreams of retiring and doing nothing. But I guess to your point, Man, you, you enjoy. <laughs> I want to, you know, make enough money and retire. That's a myth. Yeah. What, what the hell should you retire for? Mm -hmm. Right. If you make making money, why quit? What, what the hell are you going to retire for? I can understand if you got a job. It's, you know, it's... it's, it's, it's a, a job it's job. Fine, right? <laughs> right? But if you, if you have something you like doing, then you couple that with real estate, right? Who's retiring? Hmm. That's, that's, that's crazy. So would you, would you say that you're financially free? Yes. Man. So, any kids? Any any heir to the throne? Oh yeah, I got four boys, man. Two grown and gone. One is in college at the University of Kansas, and one is at Howard University. And uh, when when I'm done with them, I'd be real happy because they they get out of my pocket. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> no, this it's been a, it's been a great interview. So, um, usually I ask, you know, what what advice do you have for people? Where do you think people most people fail at in, in real estate? Let me say this. I often tell people I could tell a room of a hundred people exactly how I did something, exactly how I made something work. And I'll be lucky, Joshua, if two of them take my advice and follow it. That's the unfortunate thing about people, right? Especially our people. Okay, that we spend too much time on flash 
and I got a Gucci purse. And I know you got some Gucci. <laughs> I no, know. I got no Gucci. <laughs> Zero. None, huh? Okay. Because my motto is, I am not here to make another man rich. Mm. Right? So what we need to do is buckle down, have seriousness of purpose, and understand that the real estate industry is there for all of us, despite of our level of education or experience or whatever. People can listen to your podcast and listen to what you say and go do it. Yeah, you just gave us $10 million worth of game. <laughs> $10 million worth of game for free. And we need, as a people, we need to get this property. Yeah. And, and let's not let, you know, we, we, we are sitting on things. Uh, uh, let's say uh, South Shore, uh, Woodlawn. Th- those are black people sitting on things th- that you, you can't get any closer to the lake north of Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. So now the movement is people who don't look like us coming south. So let's be smart enough to say, Let's take advantage of this wave coming south that we benefit from the increased values, that we benefit from holding on to grandma or mama's house. So we benefit by the appreciation and value and roll that through an equity loan to get additional property to build our real estate portfolios. That's what we have to do. And I like what you're doing trying to educate people, you know, to say, wait a minute. We want to we want to teach you how to fish mm-hmm. so you can figure out how to make money. And just really in the real estate business, Josh, you figure out what's your niche, what's profitable for you, and guess what? You just keep doing the same thing over and over. Yeah. That's like, how you do it. It's like dollar cost averaging in in stock market. Uh, Absolutely. So what about now you got you got the four boys and I think your advice was was spot on. You got the four boys. Ex, what, what's your exit strategy? What are you doing to make sure that everything that you've achieved to this point continues on to your grandkids and their kids and so forth? Well, um, I, one of my boys actually works in the business now. He's an excellent carpenter. Right. So he's. He does rehabs in the units. He's working on a couple of units now. Then my other other boys, I tell them, we have a real estate business. And what I give to you, you have to add to and grow so that your kids, kids roll this business. I give them, I give them a story of the Jews, right? So a Jewish dude in 1930. He buys a 10-unit apartment building. It's 1930. The rent is $2 a month. 30 years later, he turned it over to his son. The rent is now $500 a month. His son keep it for 10 years. After 10 years of keeping it, the rent is $1,000 a month. By the time he turned it over to his son, That same building, the rent is $2,500 a month. 
So you see what I'm doing with that. Mm-hmm. You, you just, over time, nothing, no price stays the same and you hold the real estate. We're, we are buyers and holders, not buyers and flippers. Not If you flip, every time you flip, you got capital gains tax. But if you buy and hold, you got depreciation, you got this, you got the interest expense, you got all the tax benefits. And that's how we need to proceed as a people to push real estate into the next generation. That's what we have to do. If I was to say in real estate, you make your money on the purchase and not the sale, what does that mean? That means, and you hear that all the time, you make your real estate when you buy it, not when you sell it. That means you buy it at the right price. Okay? Mm-hmm. Because if you pay too much for it, by the time you sell it, your profit is not as good as it would be if you had bought it at the right price. Here's the other thing. If you overpay for it, and let's say you rent it, your return is less because you still pay too much for it to buy it. You got me? Got you. Got you. Yeah. Well, attorney Darnell Lyles, Gary, Indiana, also real estate mogul in Gary, Indiana. I appreciate you taking the time out and joining me today. Hey, I I really like the invitation. And uh, anytime you need to talk to me, call me up. You need some advice or you got some people that want to shoot over to Gary to look around for some investments. uh, Please do what I suggest people do. If you want to look in Gary, just go to, I don't know, realestate.com or whatever, put in your price range and see what's going on. There's a lot of opportunities in the city of Gary. It used to be a lot better in the section that was near the lake, but the prices now have started to really go up. So it costs you a little more to get in, but there are areas around Gary where you can buy, I mean, beautiful house, Joshua, beautiful house, brick, nice uh, design, $75,000 if you want to live in it uh, or if you want to rent it. I mean, it's beautiful houses in Gary. You got what's called Morningside. You got Ambridge Man. Beautiful brick houses. What were those areas again? Horace Man. Uh Ambridge Man. Morningside. Emerson. Mm -hmm. Beautiful houses. I mean, beautiful the same houses that if I don't know if you're familiar with Georgetown and Washington, D.C. Yeah. But the same houses that in Georgetown and Washington, D.C. that cost you a million, two million dollars, you can buy in Gary for seventy five to one hundred thousand dollars. Wow. Period. OK. And you said if you were starting in real estate right now, if you had the option and somebody said, hey, you can buy this condo downtown Chicago or you can buy this uh, four-unit building on the south side, uh, same price, which one would you buy? (laughs) The four-unit for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to tell you, about, uh, I don't know, maybe three years ago, uh, you know, I grew up in Chicago, so I have buddies over there. Most of my friends are actually in Chicago. So I had a buddy call me and say, hey, you need to look at 7337 South South Shore. 
I said, okay. So I went over there. They had a one bedroom, couple of them. You walk in the door and all you see is Lake Michigan, right? Mm-hmm. So when I walked in the door, Joshua, I knew I was going to buy that condo. I didn't really care how much it costs, right? Right. It cost me 30000 I put to upgrade it, I put 7000 in it. So I'm in 37000 And so I rented it with the Chicago Housing Authority for, I think it's $970 or something like that. Wow. So there are opportunities over there. I mean, anything on the lake or near the lake, across the street from the lake, is priceless if you talk about 5, 10, 15 years from now. And you expect to be here in 15 years, right, Josh? Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Exactly. So as as a people, we need to be gobbling that kind of stuff up. Mm -hmm. Period. Yeah. Then you got the Tiger Woods golf course potentially coming. You got the Obama library potentially coming. Right. Mm -hmm. So that, I mean, that's, that's the gold mine, man. Okay. Well, thank you for coming on the show again. I'm Josh Mercer, founder of Goldfish Village. Uh, For more podcasts, make sure you visit us at www.goldfishvillage.com. If you're looking for an investment property or you're looking to list your home, um, I'm a realtor. Uh, Please visit www.listwithmercer.com. I'd love to help you reach your financial goals. Uh, Attorney Lyles, thanks again for coming on the show. I appreciate appreciate your time today. I appreciate you. I really really appreciate you. I I love what you're doing, Josh. Thanks.